reading this morning comes from the Gospel of uh, Matthew, and in your pew Bible, it's found on page 811. This is uh, a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, in which we find his teaching on prayer, that which we now refer to as the Lord's Prayer. We begin the reading at, in chapter 6 at verse 5. Let us hear the word of God. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And to his name be all praise, honor, and glory Forever and ever. Amen. Jesus taught us what we now call the Lord's Prayer in order to give us a model of prayer. And I want you to think about that for just a minute. Think of it. What a gift. The Son of God. The Son of God himself has taught us how to pray. The Son of God himself has given us a model, an outline, a structure, if you will, for praying. But it's more than a lesson on prayer. The Lord's Prayer teaches us about God. The Lord's Prayer teaches us about ourselves. And the Lord's Prayer teaches us the wonderful grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, let's look at the general context of the Lord's Prayer. In the Gospel of Matthew, it is found in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount... In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was calling his disciples, just as he's calling us today, to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven in our present lives on earth, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, to love our enemies as well as our neighbors, to pray for those who persecute us, to turn the other cheek, to lay up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth, to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. This is what it means to live on earth now as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, right in the center of his sermon, is the Lord's Prayer. And what does that tell us? It tells us that the principles taught in the Lord's Prayer are right at the center of true Christian discipleship. The Lord's Prayer teaches us how to pray so that we can live the kingdom life on earth as disciples 
of Jesus Christ. It is the prayer of the kingdom life. So let's take a look at the prayer itself. It begins with the address to God, our Father in heaven. And then, following that opening address, there are six petitions, six requests. We're going to work through each one of these six requests in the weeks to come. But notice how the six requests are arranged. The first three have to do with God our Father. They are God-centered prayers. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are petitions concerning God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. They are the first three First things first, they are focused on God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. First things first. The last three petitions concern us and our needs, all our needs. Daily bread, that is our earthly provision, provision for life on earth. Forgiveness of our sins and our need to forgive others. And deliverance from temptation and evil. Deliverance from the spiritual forces of darkness. The structure of the Lord's Prayer teaches us, you see, that if we dedicate ourselves to God and His kingdom, we can live with the assurance that His kingdom will be at work in us. If our lives and our prayers are first of all centered and focused on the things that concern God, then we can live with the assurance that God will provide the things that concern us. And this structure of the Lord's Prayer reflects what Jesus went on to say just a little bit further on in the Sermon on the Mount, recorded at the end of chapter 6, when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So you see there's a balance in the Lord's Prayer. The first three petitions focus on God. The last three petitions focus on our needs. And in following the model of the Lord's Prayer, we are reminded, first of all, never to forget God. And secondly, we are reassured that He never forgets us. So now let's begin. Let's take a closer look at each phrase of the Lord's Prayer, beginning today with this address, Our Father in Heaven. Note the first word, our. Plural. Plural possessive. The Lord's Prayer is a corporate prayer. It's a prayer which we pray together, connected to one another, in unity, through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, we are to pray individually, personally, as Jesus taught us, in secret, yes. But the very first word of the Lord's Prayer, our, tells us something very important about Christian discipleship, and it's this. Christian discipleship always takes place in the context of Christian fellowship. Christian discipleship always takes place in the context 
of Christian fellowship. Christian discipleship is always in the context of the Christian community of faith, the communion of saints. As Christians, we're not isolated individuals. We are not independent of one another. We are bound together in the community of faith, the church of Jesus Christ. And perhaps the best way to make this point in connection with the Lord's Prayer is to say that Jesus teaches us to pray as members of the family of faith, members of the household of God. After all, Jesus teaches us to pray, saying, our father. There it is. We are praying as members of a family. We are praying as brothers and sisters together addressing our father. But how is God our father? In what sense can we call God our father? Is it just a manner of speaking? Is it just a figure of speech? Does Jesus teach us to pray our father because all people are children of God simply and merely because we are humans? No, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what this is about. Jesus is teaching us something much more profound, something much more wonderful than that. Please note, this is very important. This is really very important. Jesus does not teach us to pray thus. He does not teach us to pray like this. Dear God, who is like a father? No, that's not it. It's not, dear God, who is in some way like our fathers? No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus teaches us to pray our Father. That means that those who pray this prayer through faith in Jesus share together in a common relationship with our Father in heaven. He is our Father. He is distinct from all our individual earthly fathers. This is not about the projection of an earthly father into heaven. As I said in the Sunday school lesson this morning, this is, this is not about the big man upstairs, which is a blasphemy. And you see now, this can be very, very important in terms of our personal experience, in terms of our personal prayer life, and in terms of our personal spiritual growth. Because here's the deal. None of us, none of us has or had an earthly father who is or who was perfect in every way. And none of us fathers present today is a perfect father in every way. And the sad truth is that some people have suffered. A lot of pain at the hands of their earthly fathers. Sometimes, therefore, and I have done this kind of counseling, sometimes people have a very difficult time feeling the love of God because they did not adequately receive the love of their earthly fathers. Sometimes people have a very difficult time thinking of God as father. And that, that, that is a sort of a, a, a painful thought. Because their own earthly fathers were emotionally distant or absent or abusive or harsh or ne'er-do-wells or what have you. And so the idea of God as a father may be a stumbling block to some. But here's the good news. 
Here's the good news. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is not teaching you to pray to God according to your perception of your earthly father. That's not it at all. Jesus is not basing this prayer on our perception of our individual earthly fathers. He is saying that as his disciples, through faith in him, we all have in common another father. Our father. Who is in heaven. So you see, when Jesus teaches us to pray our father, he's not using even a sentimental image of God as father. He is referring to his father. He is is referring to his eternal father in heaven. Jesus is the son of God. And through faith in him, his disciples become his brothers and sisters. Remember, on the day of his resurrection, Jesus said, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. So when Jesus teaches us to call God our father, he's not referring to any idea of a human father, but rather he's referring to his own eternal father. Jesus is teaching us to call his father our father. Because through faith in Jesus, in union with Jesus, we are adopted. We are adopted by the Holy Spirit as the children of God. And so when we pray our Father, we are praying as the adopted brothers and sisters of the eternal Son of God. We are praying as the adopted children of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the reason, by the way, that it is a theological blasphemy and a heresy for the Lord's Prayer to be trifled with by substituting the words, our mother or our parent in heaven, as is sometimes done in liberal Protestant churches today. That kind of politically correct psychobabble completely obliterates the gospel Contained in these words, our Father. It completely denies the Trinity. And it completely misses the point that it is through faith in Jesus, the eternal Son of God, that we are adopted by the Holy Spirit as children of His Father. It's important enough for me to emphasize this again, and I know I am belaboring this point. I'm doing it consciously. I'm doing it on purpose. The first two words of the Lord's Prayer, our Father, teach us that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are adopted as the children of God. When we receive Jesus as our brother, we receive his father as our father. And his father receives us as his children, his beloved children. Jesus' eternal Father receives and loves us as his own beloved sons and daughters, the beloved brothers and sisters of Jesus. And so the gospel of our salvation, the gospel of our salvation through Christ is proclaimed in these words which Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into the world as our brother of flesh and blood. He offered up himself in our place as the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. 
and risen from the dead at his Father's right hand, he has poured out the Holy Spirit of adoption into our hearts. We are united to him through faith. He is united to us. He is our brother. We are his brothers and sisters. Jesus joins with us. We join with him in praying to our Father. You see, with Jesus as our brother, and only with Jesus as our brother, we may call God our Father, and we may do so with the assurance that the eternal Father loves us with the same love and the same degree of love with which He has eternally loved His eternal Son, Jesus. I'm going to say that again. With Jesus as our brother, we may call God our Father and we may do so with the assurance that the eternal Father loves us with the same love and with the same degree of love with which He has eternally loved His eternally beloved Son, Jesus. In his first letter, the Apostle John wrote this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that we should be called the children of God. That is amazing love. Do you believe that God the Father loves you with the same love and the same degree of love with which He loves His eternally begotten Son, Jesus Christ? Can you believe that you are loved by God the Father to the same degree that He loves Jesus? Can you believe that? Will you believe that? Will you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? That you are loved by the Father just as Jesus himself is loved by the Father? Jesus himself taught us to pray. Our Father. So that we would trust and believe and know that we are loved by his Father as his own beloved children. This is the strength. This is the basis of all our prayers. We have Jesus Christ as our brother. Those first words, our father, are all about Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done for us, what he continues to do for us as our Savior. Now, if you will meditate on this, on the father's love for us through Jesus, his son, such that we are adopted as as his own beloved children. If it is through the love of God in Christ that we become the children of God and have the privilege of calling God our Father. Think about this. It it should become obvious to us that when we pray our Father, we are, by those very words, we are also binding ourselves to one another as brothers and sisters in the love of God through Jesus Christ. To, To say the words, our Father, in true faith is to be bound together in the Father's love. To pray the words, our Father, is like we're, we're all taking each other's hands. We are one. We are His family. 
And beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So the Father's love for us binds us in love for one another. The opening address, our Father in heaven, also teaches us what our attitude in prayer should be. The title Father in the Greek New Testament, in the, in the Aramaic, I should say, Abba, Abba is the word, and you see that word in the letter to the Romans, and you see it in the letter to the Galatians. Abba is the word which Jesus used for Father, and it is not a cold or impersonal or in, uh, abstract term. It's not like saying, you know, Jesus did not, Jesus did not teach us to pray, Oh, eternal consciousness. Oh, great infinite potentate of the universe. Oh, higher power, supreme being. That's not what Jesus taught us. He taught us Abba, Father. It is a term of endearment. It is a term of intimate love. It is the heart language of a child who is not afraid to draw near to the warm embrace of the personal love of his father. The words our father speak to us of God's nearness, his personal love and care, his faithfulness and goodness. In theological jargon, the words our father speak to us of God's imminence. His nearness. God with us. They encourage us to have a childlike faith and trust as we approach God in prayer. The words in heaven, however, remind us that our God reigns over all in sovereign majesty and power and glory. The words in heaven speak to us about God's transcendence. He is near us. He is with us, but he is also above us. He is also beyond us. He is not to be trifled with. He is the Holy One enthroned forever, who measures the waters of the oceans in the hollow of his hand, who calls all the stars by name, to whom none can be compared, for there is none like him. And so this opening address teaches us and reminds us that our prayers must be offered with both childlike trust and confidence childlike intimacy, and yet at the same time with reverential awe and reverential fear, which acknowledges the majesty and the holiness of God. There's a kind of spiritual balance here, bringing these things together, drawing near with confidence, yet with reverence, calling God our Father as a dearly beloved child, while at the same time remembering that he is the Holy One, a consuming fire. To put it simply, when Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, he was teaching us to approach God in prayer with, with both love and reverence in our hearts, with both assurance and humility in our souls, with childlike faith, full of trust, and with a due sense of God's awesome majesty and power. Our Father, who art in heaven. Now, for this week... Your homework. I encourage you in your prayers throughout the day, every day this week, to meditate on this opening of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. Repeat that phrase over and over silently in your mind or out loud in private. Think about what you are saying as you say those words, Our Father. 
Let them be a comfort to you. Let them be a source of strength. Let them be a joy to you. Rejoice. Let them, let them be a, a, a reminder that Jesus Christ, by His blood and Spirit, has given you new life as His very own brother and, or sister. Rejoice in your adoption as a son or daughter of God the Father Almighty. Draw near with childlike eagerness, trusting that the Father Almighty receives you and looks upon you as his beloved child through the grace of his Son, Jesus Christ. And as you do this with the words, our Father, echoing in your heart, think about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Call them to mind. Get a mental image of your brothers and sisters in Christ, in your family, in this church family, whoever they may be throughout the community. Place yourself mentally and spiritually in the context of the communion of saints as you begin to pray. Pray for the needs of these brothers and sisters who come to mind. Pray with the confidence that our Father is in heaven, ruling over the world, accomplishing all things according to the counsel of His will, working all things together for good to those who love Him. Set your heart and your mind on the glory and the majesty and power and love of your Father in heaven. Rest there. Meditate there. Rejoice that Jesus, your Savior, is there at the right hand of the Father on your behalf. Even now preparing a place for you in heaven, a place for you in his father's house, a place for you in your father's house. This week, every day, together, all of us, let these words, our father who art in heaven, inspire and shape and give substance to our prayers. Let us be a praying congregation, praying together as the brothers and sisters of Jesus, praying together as the beloved children of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for the wonderful word of the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came into the world became one of us so that we might become your children. In his name, we pray the blessing of your Holy Spirit upon us. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would water this word that has been preached. And we pray that that which is true and right and good in accordance with your word would spring forth and bear much fruit in our lives, to the glory of your name, through Christ our Savior. Amen.